I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost of Words podcast. A um, little break last week for the Bermuda Championship, which I'm quite glad about considering the uh, the results there. But uh, Jason, we're back after your stellar one-two finish in the Mallorca Open, which feels like six months ago. Um, good week there, wasn't it? Yeah, we had to take the week off to uh, test drive all the uh, high-performance vehicles that we can buy <laughs> with the winnings. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was good. Thanks. Never, you're only as good as your last one, and we, you know. That's why we get the Bermuda, didn't we? So we can keep that record intact. But um, <laughs> we, we like the Portugal Masters. I like my Cobra. Um, so yeah, no, it's a good, good one to return on. Um, bit of, you know, any other business, I suppose, already? Just to say, well done on your Golf WRX column. Looking forward to uh, seeing more stuff there from yourself. So anyone that listens regularly and hasn't picked up on that news, Jason is now going to be writing on their website. Uh, giving us a couple of previews a week on the PGA Tour. So, uh, well done, Jace. Yeah, cheers. It's be uh, it'll, yeah very quickly. Should hold a dwell on that, but um, yeah, it'll be something different. So, um, I'll be doing the specials on the PGA. Uh, my colleague Matt will be writing the previews as he always does. He's well quite well known in the sort of US golf circles. And uh, I hope to do something on the European Tour a week as well. It might be sort of DraftKings. It might be specials. Who knows? We'll. Uh, We'll do something, just try and make it a bit more interesting. So, uh, yeah, let's see what happens. That's good. So, if everyone goes and supports that in the coming weeks so we can get some momentum there, that'd be wonderful as ever. So, uh, Chase, the, the Portugal Masters will start there, um, as we've been talking about that off-air, to, to lead in. This was... I listened back to this, the... I don't normally do this, but I listened back to our podcast from last year, just trying to get some, uh, I guess... Not motivation. What's the word I'm looking for? Some ideas about what we thought about the course last year and what we thought. And we both said that George Coetzee was a good bet and that we would bet him against Tommy Fleetwood. And you said Laurie Cantor was a good bet. We identified the right players, uh, which is always a positive. So this week we have got Matt Wallace at 16 to 1 as the favourite. Laurie Cantor is in there at 20 to 1, as opposed to the 66 to 1, 70 to 1 that he was uh, when we spoke about him last year. I said to you to predict a price for Laurie Cantor. You told me 20 to 1. I said anything bigger, I'll bet him. And, and there he is at 20 to 1. So mainly 16 and 18 to 1 generally available. A bit too short, but he's got to be probably his best chance to break through before, the, well, definitely before the end of the year and, and probably for the foreseeable, I thought. Yeah, I think if you were to name a, a couple of places that you thought Laurie Cantor would win, I think one would have been Italy last year. I'd still maintain that was his. I mean, it was one of his best chances, but it was such a perfect course for him. Um, long, Tita Green, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and potentially Portugal as well. But like you say, I mean, I predicted the price, but I don't really want to be on. I think we, we tweeted earlier today and you could have had eight to one uh, quarterly odds first for Laurie Kent, a top English, yeah. which I personally thought was a, a better bet than 21 outright. Um, we all know that he's got his issues. Don't need to go over the same thing again. We all know he's got these issues when he hits the front. Um, he's going to do it one day, but whether you want to take 20 to 1, I don't know. Whereas this obviously allows any of your um, your overseas competition to win. And um, I, I'm not knocking the English effort, but I, I do think 8 to 1 was, was a fair bet, uh, given the form that he's in. Um, that's gone now. It's 13 to 2 as far as I can see. Was it 
there's only one show up, 365. What can you do about him, though? Um, I was absolutely gutted at Mallorca. I actually, on the Sporting Life 54 holder, I actually wrote out a bet for him to finish in the top 10 at 5-2. to two. So I thought he'd had his bad round. He's away from the cameras. He's now going to do something. And, and lo and behold, he did. 64 got him uh, got him a top five. Um, look, you can't knock his tee to green game. It's, it's stunning at times. But he has an issue to win. And therefore, 21 makes zero appeal to me. And I suppose the, the, the argument this week, I suppose, is that you know he, he hunted down George Cozier as much as he could than he last time around. But if he was in front, I would say that this is probably one of the better courses to get away with some slightly nervy shots. Um, you know, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, give and take around the golf course, but generally speaking, you, you're quite free. So I think that leading this golf course instead of Valderrama, for example, is obviously night and day. So there is that benefit to it. But like you say, you've still got to get the job done regardless of where you are. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I think that, you know, Matt Wallace is obviously in decent form in the US at least um, so he has to be respected but I think Laurie Cantor makes a worthy short odds bet I just I just won't go there I'd rather like we say every week just go in a bigger field at longer odds sorry Tom I mean last three winners uh, Tom Lewis came from 16th at halfway Stephen Brown from 16th George Katsir at 12th from halfway um, yeah they were in the final two groups overnight in the third round I just wonder whether you know if Cantor was sitting in 12th 16th four or five shots off the pace, what sort of price you'd get. Obviously, it depends on who's in front of him. Um, but I'd rather know that, it, you know, I'd rather know that than yeah. take a fly. You know, we saw in Italy last year, he hit a, a ludicrously low opening round and still couldn't get it done. So, I, just for 20 to 1, I, he can't be any bigger, to be honest. But does he make any appeal? No, he just he can't, can you? It, it was one of those, I was very tempted to to go there just because it's one of those ones where I'm trying to get away from identifying the person I think's got a really, really good chance of winning and, and getting soap off by their price. But he's just one of those that I don't want to back at those sort of prices. And the one that I am going to go for that's looking for his maiden victory is double the price. So, it, you know, and I, and I think they've both got decent credentials as well. So unless you have anything before the 40 to 1 range, I'll dive straight into that. Uh, no, that no. No. So Adrian House. Um, we, we often talk about him being slightly on the short side um, in, in terms of the betting. He's obviously chasing his maiden victory, as is uh, Laurie Cantor. But uh, two top nines in Dubai, uh, which I think are really telling. Uh, he's only got a 40th place finish here. But I think he was in the top 20 after 36 holes and, and didn't really capitalise over the weekend. But I, I just have a massive, massive interest in the Dubai Desert Classic link. So, barring Stephen Brown and Bjerregaard, and Shane Larry actually. All the other winners have had a top five in Dubai Desert Classic. Richard Green and Quiros have won both of these events. Westwood has playoff loss in uh, Dubai and another second there. Sullivan and Harrison's had a second in Dubai and won this. Larry didn't have a top five, but he had 11th and 12th in this and two top fives in the DP World. So I just think that the Dubai Desert Classic was a really good link. Obviously you've got Qatar as well that you'll probably come on to and, and one other. But for me, that was just the one that I kind of got really stuck into. And, and I think that it's a forgiving golf course that will suit our house. It'll be low scoring. That should suit his uh, hot streaks, if you like, scoring that he does. And, uh, you know, I think his tee green game, when it when it's on, is, is one of the better in the field. And, and that comes in at 40-1. to 1. And he's sort of six places, 40s against 20s for Laurie Cantor. 
Yeah, I, yeah, I can't argue. Yeah, yeah, both maidens really at this level. Um, potentially could have, should have won at home in Madrid. Yeah. Um, three weeks. He should have done. He should have done definitely. I, I think we all think. I mean, Cabrera <clears throat> Bayo let him in, gave him a chance, didn't he, down the stretch, yeah. and, and also at the last. And uh, it's it's hard to say he couldn't handle it. I mean, it's huge pressure. Hmm. Um, so so it's difficult to to knock him, but it, it just becomes a worry when they keep doing it. Um, he's changed his game, hasn't he? He's now okay um, at putting, but hmm. but then. Is he okay at patting, or is he just not getting close enough that he has to pat it to keep himself in the tournament? Yeah. This is, this is, you know, we always say that, doesn't it? It, it? it could be read many ways, can't it? You know, if you give yourself 18, 15 footers, then at some point a few are going to go in. Um, but your putting average is going to be a damn sight less than somebody that's getting up and down because they're missing greens. Um, it's, it, it would appear to be his. I've always said this, you know, um, if you look at our you look at Rosner, Rosner's virtually doubled the price. I know he's out of form, but he's virtually doubled the price. He's won twice at Dubai. Um, yeah. You pay your money. You pay your money. You take just. I don't like any of them. Um, uh, yeah, you know. Sorry, he's won twice. He won Qatar in Dubai, so that's that gives you, uh, you know, double bubble. Yeah. And he was second in Portugal on the Challenge Tour. Rosner, but I, mean, I know we're not talking about him. But uh, I put them in a very very similar. Both excellent players, but. Whatever. He <laughs> <laughs> it, it doesn't jump out at me because I'm not that excited about backing him anymore. Arnoux at the moment, although I appreciate forty one is potentially, you know, a few points bigger than he should be. I think just just for the course and how forgiving it is, uh, just where I think maidens can come in and get get a victory. I just he looked so good for that one in Spain before, the, you know, the final holes or whatever, which is obviously. Uh, you know, a thing, but I, I do truly believe this 41 range is where you know a winner is, is likely to come from. It's, yeah. it's, it's a decent price place, and there's two others that I like around here as well that are worth mentioning. The, the only, I mean, I agree. I mean, it's, it's a different, it's a different type of um, test to that that we've had um, recently. I mean, I, I would worry about his cheetah green game. Um, I mean, just take the last couple of years, 2020. Um, of the top 14 and ties, 15 finished in the top 15, Titty Green. 2019 of the top 14 and ties, 11 finished in the top uh, 20, Titty Green. Um, and it was 8 out of 10 or 6 out of 10 uh, for the top 10. So I worry about the way he's he's uh, playing. Um, uh, if he comes back to the way he is, he'll give himself hundreds and hundreds of chances and he'll miss loads of putts. Yeah. I, I, I can't knock him, but it, it, didn't, it didn't jump out at me, to be honest. Let's talk about another one in this range that I like. George Cozier. We mentioned that he was the favourite here last year when he was coming off the back of a second and first run in Africa. And before that, he'd been second, eighth, sixth and seventh on the European and the African Tour, Sunshine Tour there. Um, he's got a phenomenal record at this golf course. It's it's absolutely you know obscene. He's got a win, a third, a sixth, a seventh. Got tied fifth in Dubai, tied second in Qatar. There's absolutely nothing to really dislike about George Cozier, I don't think. I know his results haven't been the greatest. You know that they're not they're not standout form. But I thought that the 24th was decent enough in the Open de España. Um, Valderrama's never really going to be his type of gig. 
maybe you'd, you'd want to see slightly better form elsewhere but his form was always padded by good sunshine tour form and he just hasn't been playing there as much you know it's just not something he's done the last time he was there he won um did what he does so i, I think as long as george cozier is winning where he wins and comes back to his goal force i think he's always decent value yeah he got plenty of repeat form at this track you know you know there's loads of it um i mean you can go whatever stat you want to do i mean you know, whether it's driving distance because he's forgiving, um, whatever. I mean, there's plenty of correlative form with a couple of other tracks. Um, and, and, yeah, you've got the likes of Sullivan, who's gone first 2-8 to Portugal. Lagergren, 3-14-17. Bjork, uh, uh, sorry, 1-9-12, etc. Kiros does it. Um, this is Courtsia's track. He loves it, doesn't he? Um, yeah, can't argue with the price. has gone, isn't it? I, I'm guessing, um, it would be a quite educated guess, that Ben's put him up. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I would have gone 40 or one if I'd have been an odds maker because I think it was one of the most obvious bets that you were going to take. Um, so yeah, yeah, overpriced I think, probably compared to I, I wouldn't have I would have put him in front of Van Nels anyway. Yeah, that, you know that, that, that's you know I like Van Nels as well, but certainly that, at the price I just think he stands out. I mean, you've got the likes of McIntyre, Bland. I like Catlin, actually. I think he's a, a, a reasonable bet here. But Andrew Johnson's been short for quite a while now, as has Thomas Peters. You know, I think that he deserves to be in that kind of 25, 30s bracket. And, he, and he's slightly too big there at 40s. And I think he opened up at kind of 45. So it's, yeah, I think I think there's plenty of juice still in the 35 and 40 to 1 range on him. I think 25 to 1 is the, the better price on him. But you mentioned Andy Sullivan there, um, Jason. And I think this is another one that, Okay, his, course form, his current form doesn't look great. He's just withdrawn from Valorama after opening with an 80. Um, but we've said that about Andy Sullivan his whole career. He just doesn't tough it out, does he? He just either gets going and carries on or, or he doesn't. But his form here is, again, like George Coates here, pretty obscene. A win, a second and an eighth. He's got a second and a fourth in Dubai, which I really, really like. I just think, again, you've got 55s there. Okay, it's more 45s to the, the six and seven places. I'd rather just take a chance. These are two winners of this golf course, both that are capable of repeat form and, and going back-to-back at events as well. 45 and 50 to 1, I thought was pretty decent money. Yeah, he wants a, he wants a um, low-scoring track, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah, look, he's another... I mean, I am worried about the withdrawal. I think I think when you've got Andy Sullivan on, on a form run of miscut, miscut, tied 54, tied 53, withdrawn, I think... Uh, well, I wouldn't be convinced he can he can come back off of that but certainly yeah I mean as you say he loves the place he was third in Sicily which ties in with so many Sicily and Portuguese players um, yeah I, uh, I don't know I don't know I'm, I'm slightly worried when he won uh, when he won 2015 he won that after miss cut of 46 so it's not impossible it is Andy Sullivan uh, you, you just look at the price don't you if you look is, at the price, if you think it's too big, you take the chance with him. Um, his form has never been great coming into this event. Like, it's never been quite no, as bad as it, no, it is it's now. Great, no, but no, it's, no. you know, miscut Daniel Links, miscut Italian Open, 23rd France before he finished 8th here in 2019. Like, he just... He's like that type of person. We, we talk about, and probably when we just go to Mike Over, there's probably some short hits over there that have four events a year they can go and win. He probably has four events, not because of any part of his game just because he likes a little low scoring birdie fest that doesn't present much challenge or thinking 
you know, once he's freed up and, and birdies are the order of the day, it, it suits him down to the ground. I haven't yeah. I haven't made my mind up about kind of that trio there. I think George Cozier is the strongest because I think he's playing the better of him and Sullivan. And, you know, I don't see any reason why he can't come back and defend. And he's gone out to a much bigger price than he was when he was winning it last year. Um, I might just might just go Sullivan Cozier over Arnaus. But those three were, to me, in this area. And, and, you know, I just thought there was plenty of juice in, in the value. I think that, you know, you mentioned Soderberg to me earlier. Mm. 50 to 1. This bracket, 40 to 50 to 1, just screams that the winner's going to come out of here to me. It's it's very strong. I mean, ones that I haven't gone for, but like I've already mentioned Lager Gren, who's got relative form and loves a bit of a linksy test. We know that this links in with Jabai, as you said, Qatar. Um, it links in hugely with um, uh, the Alfred Daniel links as well. Um, you go back for that, you've got Tom Lewis. Uh, who's got a form there. You've got Lucas Bregard, who's won links and here. Pod, who's won the links twice, has won here. Um, if you go back even... I mean, Sullivan, you, you mentioned he won Joburg, which Casilla, obviously, is very well in. And Sullivan uh, did did win. He beat Chris Wood, who obviously won Qatar, and he's obviously a links player. So there's plenty of it there. Um, in that range... Um, yeah, you, I mean, people like Adrian Otegi... I'm not, I wouldn't be keen on him at the same price as a large Eddie Pepperell obviously came back to form uh, in his club Stableford or whatever that was, you know, went him a few drinks um, and he's back on form of Twitter. So there's, there's quite a few there. There are a few that look out a bit and that sort of price that I wouldn't be interested in. The two that I am are uh, Jorge Campillo, obviously, and as you say, Sebastian Soderberg. Um, Campillo, for me, I know he was with him at Mallorca, um, I mean, really, he's got beaten nothing considering he did absolutely nothing for a vast majority of the final round. Um, to come second, um, I think he missed virtually every fairway. Yeah. Starting to go out. Um, his patting kept him in it. I love him. I think he's just a better player than, than his results show. But he's typical Spanish. He's like, you don't really know what he's going to do. But when he's on it, I think he's a, he's fantastic to watch. Um, closed really well in the Canary Islands, so we know he can go low. Um, obvious form at Qatar, winning the second. Over there, he was 13th uh, stroke gains patting, fourth around the green, 15th teeter green. When he won Morocco, which actually again does tie in with a couple of the winners um, that we've had here. Uh, again, makes sense, really. Um, I know it's a bit tighter, but it, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, 16th teeter green, third in patting, 26th around the green. He was second in Oman, which is a wind affected, linksy type course. He was top 20 in uh, the links um, back in uh, beginning of October. Um, and he got uh, he got his scoring going when the scoring got easier. Um, and he ended up eighth in putting, 21st in Tita Green. Tita Green's huge here, as we've already discussed. Um, I think he's... If he... It, do you know what? This week break always, I think, screws him up. Hmm. It'd be really nice if they were coming off... off I mean, I know Campio could go two miscut, miscut, miscut and then come back and win because that's what he does he won Qatar by from absolutely nowhere but I, I love the way he played the last last round in the Yorker um, and, and I'm actually quite quite stroke very keen on him um, he likes it round here yeah you know I mean anybody who wants to look for a first round bet as well his last four opening rounds here 66, 69, 67, 67, 68 um, I like him I think 45, 50 to 1 first 8 is it can we get 
It's first six, is it? Uh, first six. seven. Yeah. Yeah, first six, first seven. Yeah, I really like him. So Campillo's definitely in my list. Um, and the other one that was there from there, where was it? Oh, it's Soderberg. Soderberg. It? Yeah. For me, to the eye, anyway, Soderberg's play over the last two tournaments has just been sublime. Um, could have, should have won both. Well, obviously, he might not have won the second one. He could have won the first. Um, but the fact that he can do that at Valderrama and then come out of Mallorca and just play sublime iron play. I, I just... You know, the amount of times he was hitting it to three feet was just stunning. He was brilliant um, in the final round. And I, I know, obviously, he hit himself down on the back nine. Well, but to put himself there... Like, the, the, he was flag hunting on the front nine, wasn't he? He was, he was, he was brilliant. Yeah, I mean, and he did the same at Valderrama, which is virtually impossible. Hmm. You know, to go flag hunting at Valderrama is is just not possible. Um, and I, I thought he was just also. I mean, again, you know, last year's. I mean, look at last year's event. I know it's more difficult at Valderrama, but he was by for me, he was by far the best player um, at both. Hmm. Um, and and uh, it's a bit criminal that he didn't win either. I mean, maybe it tells a tale. I don't know. Um, but he's broke par on every single... Uh, oh, sorry, um, 72. Because he's only over par in the last eight rounds that he hit. Um, and there's plenty more. I mean, approach shots. Uh, gained six shots over the field at Valderrama, which is just incredible. Six shots here in 2020. He gained uh, when he was 27th. Uh, we know his drivers let him down twice now in recent weeks. Otherwise, he must have won one, surely. When he went at Crans. But there is a little bit of, of connection with um, previous winners. He was 80th off the tee, 7th in approach, 9th in tee to green. Um, second in Portugal. Oh, sorry. Where are we? Yeah. Um, I'm going on and on and on. Past Soderbergh. Finished with a 64 last time he played here when he was totally out of it. 7th back on his debut in 2017. Um, yeah, I, I, I think if he carries on playing his iron play like that, I, I can't see. You know, when you've got the likes of and I did have him on the list with Ty Schmidt, who I think had a massive chance here. Uh, you know, and, and people like that, I, I think at the 50 to 1, I think he's overpriced. Yes. I, don't un- I don't, I'm sorry, mate. I don't understand why he's the same price as Pepperell, for example. The, the thing is with him, uh, and just to go back to Campillo quickly before I go into Soderbergh, is that Campillo's kind of top eight finishes have been in different fashion, haven't they? So in when he was sixth in, what was that, 2015, I think it was, he was basically always in contention, seventh after round one, twelfth after round two, third after round three, sixth final. And then the eighth came when he just shot 66 in the final round and was never really in it. But Soderbergh as well, both times, the seventh and the 27th here, he shot rounds of 64. Um, and he obviously had a 64 and a 66 in that last start that you, that you mentioned there. And you look at the scalps that he's had in his victories. I mean, you, you just mentioned the Crown's win. Well, Roy McIlroy is one of four in that playoffs. I know the other three, Savoy, mm, Romero yeah. and Gagli, are not, you know, the biggest of you know players. But even when you go back to Kenya, when he won on the Challenge Tour, he beat Lingask and Dylan Fratelli and Bezweden outruled in that top four there. So he beats some class players when he's in contention. So, you know, you can't deny that he, he should have won probably one of the last two. You know, there's no denying that he's he has thrown away a couple of chances, but the fact that he came back so well in Mallorca in a completely different test and played so well after doing what he did at Valderrama was pretty admirable, I think. And and like you say, he's was he sixth and tenth the last two in strokes gain approach, which is ridiculously solid. It's it's order of the day here to just 
you know, fire at the flags. It's perfect. It's right in his wheelhouse. Like, I don't know what price he could be. He doesn't ever seem to garner that much favouritism, I don't think, which which surprises me because he, he's pretty consistent once he gets into into a little run, I think. So I, I just think this whole area here of Solover, Campillo, Cozier, Arnaus, any one of the, Sullivan, any one of those, I think is a, is a really good you know selection. I, I would not be surprised if any one of those was a winner. Um, and the other one I like around is Renato Paratore. I put him up. Um, when did I put him up? Was it at Mallorca? Was it at? I can't. I think it was Mallorca. And I just loved the way you know the, the the current form that he was in. Like he just trends into decent events. You know, once he gets into a little run, he plays well. And you know, this is a guy that's won twice. Um, you know, a lot of the people that we're talking about here are, are not two-time winners or haven't won at all. Um, besides, obviously, Coach Zier and Sullivan. But 9th, 25th and 11th, his last three starts, and he returns to Portugal, where he was actually much better than his sort of course one suggests. He was 5th after 54 holes here in 2018, and 9th after 54 in 2019. He's got a tied 13 in Dubai that I really like, 4th in Qatar that obviously gets thrown around an awful lot. You, you mentioned Lynx comes into effect. He's played like the Daniel Lynx, got a tied 7th there. Two top tens at uh, in Morocco that you mentioned earlier as well. So there's a lot of good stuff. Saudi there. I think there's just loads of stuff that kind of points to Paratore keeping up the form. And I was surprised actually that he was still six six to one. I think that with the seven places, that hidden form of having two back to back top nines after 54 holes. I know that you know the fact he didn't finish it off is maybe a problem, but we know he can finish it off. He's capable of doing so. I just think if he finds himself in contention this week again, I think he could go right to the wire. Yep. Played well at Spurts. Got on the telly, didn't he? Final yep. round last time. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a cracking player. Yep. So I think, I, think there's, I think there's plenty of juice again. It's, it's, I think he's probably one of my favourite values of the week. And you've got another guy here in, in Nikolai Hoygaard as well at 66-1. Yeah, I mean, full respect to his twin, Rasmus. Um well, I thought it was overpriced as well, actually. Yeah, well, do you know what? He, I think he's going to love it. Mm. Um, but I think Nikolai will love it more. Uh, <laughs> um, I think, he, again, it's very much on the sort of canter type. Um, there's another one coming up as well. It's pretty similar as well. But it's very much, I mean, totally unexposed, doesn't he, Nikolai? Mm-hmm. We've got no idea. It's a bit like Rasmus keeps popping over there and coming over here. And I don't know how much that messes him up. It might not. It might not, to be fair. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'd rather see Rasmus do something and then and then be on him. Whereas uh, 26 points bigger at 66. Nikola obviously won Italy. Um, we know that, that gives you a chance to score. Uh, the year before he was 16th in Ross McGowan's Italy, and we all know that's the one that Laurie Cantor should have won. Um, played well there when he sort of you know was a year less of experience. Tied 15th at the Lynx recently, which reads perfectly well to me. Um, where else do we need to go? Canary Islands, which was a shootout. He finished next to Arnaus in the top five. He hit 6 7 6 10, 65, 66. Uh, around him were Ancliffe, Paul Cannon, Burmeister, Beef, Arnaus, Alex Del Rey, all, all sort of, um, you know, people that like a low shootout. So it reads really well. Um, he's 10th in driving distance, 18th seat of green for the year, I think. Uh, top 30 in ball striking. Um, I, I just think he's... As I say, he's totally unexposed. This is going to give him a chance to wallop the ball, which he did in Italy. Um, I, I, 
I, I like him. I, I will look for a um, Hogard match and see if I can get him at um, you know slight odds against against Rasmus. Um, so yeah. yeah, I think there was I can't remember. I think it was Matt Cooper from last year, maybe a couple of years ago now, who mentioned Austria as a potential link here. Um, obviously, he was tied seventh there earlier in the season as well. Not quite sure what the what the link is there. You know, it's a lot tougher this time around. But oh, if Matt says it, that's fine. There was, I'm sure, he, I'm sure it was him that said something. So you know, don't don't quote me on that. And if Matt, if you're listening, I've got it wrong, then I apologise in advance. <coughs> but um, you know, I, I th- I'm pretty sure there was some sort of link there, and I think I'm pretty sure Matt was the one that brought it up. But uh, you know, there, there's there's plenty of other links that we've already mentioned that I think are stronger anyway. Mm. But and he just hasn't been to all those places. So, it's, but I'm sure when we look back at it. And if he plays as you expect him to play this week, I imagine he'll translate that into all those other areas as well. So pretty, you know, pretty fine with him. Alex Levy, I thought was interesting. I don't, there's not too much that I have to say. You know, there's nothing sparkling about his irons, about his driver, about his, but he just keeps popping up again this season. Like just as Alex Levy has always done in the past. And he had that little spell where he kind of fell off a bit, but Every time he seems to tune into a tournament, Alex Levy just seems to pop up at some point during the week, which means he must be playing decent golf. Um, 90 to 1. He's obviously a former winner of the event. He's been fourth in Dubai. I just think there's, there's, there's someone to keep an eye on. I don't have really strong feelings about him. I just thought he was worth mentioning. The next one I, I kind of look further into is Calais Samoy. He's had a fourth, fourth and a 16th in Dubai and a third in Qatar. And he was 21st here on his debut. Now, Samoa is someone that we've kind of been talking about for a little while. He's another one that's looking for that maiden victory. And I guess I'm targeting quite a few of those in this in this field, I guess, because I think there's just it represents a good opportunity. You know, he had that chance in Cyprus, didn't he, last year when, when Callum Shinkwin won in the playoff. Mm-hmm. He was third in Qatar back in the day. What was it, two Campillo when he won, um, where he, he missed out on a shot. To get into the playoff, so I think it, I think there's plenty there. You know, the the, the Dubai Desert Classic stuff is is obviously what I like the most. And he was fourth there earlier in the year and 16th two years ago when he was a a much lesser player, I would say. So I thought there was enough juice in him. He was 140 to one earlier. It's coming a little bit, 100 and 110s, but I still think there's something to look at there. Did you have any thoughts on either of those two guys? No, you know, I'm with you. I mean, I think again in this range, it wouldn't surprise me. Marcus Armstrong shoots at pins. Yeah. Uh, I know you like Sebastian Garcia Rodriguez, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not as keen this week. Um, you know, Cole Sartre, so they've been showing tiny bits. Alvira Kiros, obviously. Um, although I think that final round last week was a bit telling. Yeah. Um, so all those all those types of players, Tapio Volcanon, they're all much of a muchness. Um, it's hugely talented and hugely capable of hitting low scores. Um, some are on the way up, I think. I think Samoa possibly has a little bit left in there obviously people like Cole Sartz and, and um, Kiros are, are probably at the you know on you the know, way down you know what they've done now don't you like you know what they're going to do yeah um, I'm quite interested in Volcanon really but uh, just because of his style of play and I think it will suit here but we can't back him all but um, yeah they were all of, of interest I mean if it was so if it was sort of receptive then as I say somebody like Armitage who um, will enjoy the openness of this and, and can fire at pins is really interesting. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a good event, isn't it? I mean, you know, as long as as long as somebody you know up the top doesn't run away with it and, and you don't really see any of them doing that, um, 
yeah, I think it's a very open event. Juice, Juice Loughton, I, I said to you the other day, he's um, he's played a lot better mm. than his results. Um, you know, and he loves this sort of he loves this sort of test as well. Um, but the, the you know there were a couple down here. Are we going into them yet? I don't know. Yeah, no, we can do. I mean, just a word. I on... mean, we'll mention we'll mention Sean Crocker just yeah. just quickly. Um, you said he was injured, and he obviously is. Look at his form the last couple. Um, just out of interest, because his overall game, you would think this is just bang up his street. You know, he's long enough off the. You know, I think he's fifth off the tee for the season. Um, six and tee to green. He's top thirty in ball striking. We again, it's a, another Laurie Cantor, isn't it? It's the same sort of player, but he just doesn't get it done, and he, he looks not quite right. So um, I can understand why you'd leave him off. Uh, but the the one I am, the one I am pumping with of this lot is I can't remember. Uh, where are we? We were going to go to Pep Anglers, weren't we? Yes. Um, yes. But just a quick word on Garcia Rodriguez before we move on is that he was sixth here last year, second at the Open to Portugal on the on the Challenge Tour as well. Um, it, it just depends whether he translates. You know, he was good in Spain because he had a double header there, like he was in Kenya when he had a double header there, like. Now he's got to move on after a week's break. I don't know if that he's the sort of person that suffers from that, having that sort of week off when he's in form. So be interesting to see how he gets on, but he will fire at pins, won't he? Uh, but Pepe Anglez, you know, I'll, I'll let you go into it and then I'll just add anything you don't. Can I just quickly... Put, uh, sorry, I missed him out. Julian Guerrier. Yeah. Um, who, who I've been watching for ages just because he boots the thing an absolute mile. Um, again, he is going to want an open track, and if you, you know, for any proof of that. Third in the mile in 2018... Um, look back, Luton won it. Chris Wood was second. Campillo and Levy were joint, uh, were joint fourth. So that ties it beautifully with the uh, course correlations. He was tied third in Madeira back in the day. His Sicily form, um, sixth and eighth. When he was sixth, Sullivan was tied third. Lucas Herbert, who obviously won over the weekend, was yeah. up there. Lucas Biergaard, who's won here, was sixth. And Stephen Brown, who's won here, was seventh. You can't really get more of a, a form link to this event. Uh, he's obviously got eighth here in 2020. Uh, he won the Irish Challenge in 2017. Again, Linksy, Stephen Brown was second there. He's obviously won here. I know it was a, a freak putting effort, but the fact is he goes down on the winner's rostrum. Um, and best of all, he's just playing really, really well. Um, oh, I thought he was really impressive in that final round um, well, over the weekend in general, I think, when in Madrid. I think there was a lot of focus, obviously, on the on the front two, being, you know, they were contending. But I don't think he did an awful lot wrong. I know he shot 69, which... You know, wasn't enough in the end, but he had three straight rounds of 66s, and then the 69 in the final round, we had a chance to win. Like, as someone that you would flag as a massive red flag in contention, you'd expect yeah. him to shoot 74, 75, and play his way out of it. Um, but he was just solid. Like, and then even Fowler Armour, he opened up, didn't he, with a 67, which was so he had the round one lead, he did, didn't he? He led, he led Cabrera Bello by one. Yeah. Um, you know, three rounds of 73 to follow weren't great, but the Fowler Armour is not an easy track. This is. Um, and you look at the fact that he had that eighth here in 2020, he opened with a 62 and followed up with a 66. Um, again, he had that 75 on Saturday, which played him out of it. But he's capable of doing the type of scoring that's re- required here. He's got the you know the style of play, as you mentioned, with, with the long driving. So I guess it's whether you believe that Julian Gurrier is yeah. a, a European Tour winner, isn't it? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, to be honest, I'd struggle to, to think that he's going to actually win it. Um, but of course, the, the, price, bigger the, the bigger the price, the bigger your top ten bet, the bigger your max bet, you know, the bigger your top twenty, etc., etc., etc. So uh, I, I've just just caught my eye because 
his very best form links in so, so well with here that if he's going to perform again, it's got to be here. Um, yeah, I don't Seems know. I mean, maybe 70, you know, uh, sorry, Tom, maybe 70 isn't. You know, he's 15 points bigger than Soderberg and, and you know, I don't know if that's enough compensation, but there, there is of interest and, and I'm just not sure but um, in which way I'm playing, but I think he's worth something. There's a difference in opinion, though, isn't there? 80 is obviously... 365 at you know only five places and quarterly odds but there's 55 skybet and then you've got 66 and 70s so there's a little bit of disagreement about what they think um which is normally quite a quite a nice thing to see i think because it suggests that someone rates them a little bit better than somebody else and i can't imagine they've taken massive amounts of bets from julian gurrier so it's it's an opinion isn't it it's it's well yeah exactly it's all about how much we've always said how much you know how much you want to let go there is a player coming up in America but you know how much do you want to let go given the fact that he's in form and how much is he actually worth if you know what I mean yeah uh, yeah, yeah out of interest yeah that 62 last year was he was in second place wasn't he yeah. after the first round um, and led at halfway um, at Madrid he was 11th after the first round six at halfway and as you say at Valderrama he led so I don't know if, they, if he gets an early tea time and can bosh it away. Yeah, that might be the way to play him. Right. Yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of first-round leader. I mean, you know, I did play Lahiri because he had a similar sort of profile. It's not better than this. And he obviously bombed out in the horrendous weather. But, yeah, it may be the way to play. It's a bit of fun and it's, it's 70 or one. So, you know, what do you want? It's not 64, I think, is it? I think, you know, I've, I've found a little bit more of a, a respect for the first-round leader market just because of the, the, the article that I'm doing now and you use that in-and-out contention um, section on tour tips. And, and what I was doing originally was just kind of looking at people that had had the first-round lead over the last sort of three or four years in all over the tours and seeing if people's names popped up more often than not. And then when I found someone I liked, seeing how many first-round leads they had. And then when I realised that that's probably not going to give you enough information, you can push it out to someone that's had you know you do it between a five shot lead and and two shot deficit and all of a sudden you start seeing all the people that shot 62 63 64 65 that haven't haven't led because someone shot 61 and you see that these people that are, are you know capable of shooting really low rounds like Munoz at eight first round leads um you know Hadwin had been in the you know shot 66 or 67 for the last four you know again it's not every week it's like Bermuda where the tea times completely ruin it so there is probably more logic than uh, than it gets credit for. I think you know I've always thought of the first round leader market as a bit of a lottery, and I think there's actually more to it. It's just you've got to double your bets if, you, if you're having outrights as well. So it's it's an interesting way to play, it, of course. But back to Pep Anglers, we'll get back on track. Um, it was one of those ones that I looked at him and, and I thought that he, he stood out as a decent pick. And then I thought, is it just because he's had that recent second and there's a bit of a bias on it and it's that was out of character for him and are oh, you just falling into a bit of a track? Trap, sorry. But, you know, he won last year on the Challenge Tour. That was his first win at that level. He was second on the Challenge Tour as well in Portugal behind Garrett Higo by one stroke and one ahead, or three ahead, sorry, of George Cozier. Um, so that's obviously a nice little link into that. He was 12th here in 2018. Um, shot a pair of 65s Friday and Saturday all of a sudden what you know are you just going against him because I say this quite a lot I see myself saying this quite a lot at the moment is that is it just trendy to back against him because everyone's going to go oh you're just backing him because he came second last week and that pushes his price out to 151 but maybe 100 to 1 and maybe even 120 is his 
a bit more fair than 150. Well, yes, of course. Yes, we are. Because if you'd have missed the cut last week, you'd probably all be looking at him at 121. No. So, it's, you know, yeah, I get the argument, of course. But I think there's a bit of a difference between saying, oh, you missed somebody at 66 and now he's 20. Yeah. As opposed to you missed somebody at whatever, 300. And he's now 150. Uh, you know, there's, there's still huge margin in it. And if they have found something, and we don't know, you know, um, I, I'm not, I know you're a huge Instagram follower. I don't mind it for bits and pieces. I'm not huge when they go all, you know, you know, he's driving. It's the old Butch Harmon when he used to go, oh, he's striking it really well on the range. I mean, so what? It's, it's not, you know, <laughs> it doesn't mean a thing at all as to when you get on there. It's not, you know, it's, it's not the same as, you know, as backing a horse that might have given, you know, might be training, giving two stone away to a, to a highly rated rival. It's not about that at all. It's a completely different thing. And, and um, there was something there. You don't hit 65, 64 and 67 in a golf tournament without um, being able to play. And as for whether he comes in and out, we've no idea. He went three missed cuts and then obviously he was uh, top 20 at Scandinavian mixed. Um, he should have done better, really. He was, he was, I think he was top 10 at halfway, I think. Um, Maybe he's found something. I mean, after after going sort of, he's better be hit an 80 at Valderrama, which okay for somebody like him who's not very accurate on the tee as possible. Mm-hmm. But you know, having had uh, in his last six rounds before uh, Mallorca, he hit two seventy five, a seventy six, a seventy four, and an eighty. So something happened. Maybe it was the more open, more open. It, it, actually, it was a lot. It was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be Mallorca. Mm. Um, but he was eleven tee to green. Um, ninth in approaches and fifth in putting. You know, can he take something onto there, like you say, to a tournament that he's had a top 12? 150 to 1, what the hell? You know, he's fourth at the Rocco Forte, which is the, obviously the Sicily event back in 2017. Kiros won it. As I say, Kiros has got plenty of form here. Um, would I say he can win it? I don't know. I don't know. What, why wouldn't he win it as opposed to, you know, I mean, again, I love Eddie Pepperell, but. You know, I would back him at the moment. But why would why would he win it? Um, I think also it's 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 the fourth and the fourteenth of the Rocco Forte suggests that repeat form is capable. So twelve for Portugal could be a fourth for Portugal next time. And yep. the, the the what I actually like about it when you know I I think Pep Angles has been around for a little while, isn't he? He's fritting between the two tours, so you, you quickly give up on these people. And then you look, and his two best results ever recorded. Or three best results ever recorded are coming in last year. You know, he's, he's won the Andalusia Challenge. He's come second in the Open to Portugal to Garrick Higo, beating Cozia, and finished second in the Mallorca Open. So there's clearly a, a progression over the last year that we don't know about because he's not the type of player you hear about very often. Um, okay, it's not been consistent, but there was a 16th at the Canets, uh, Scandinavian mix, wasn't there? You know, there was an 8th at the Kenya Open earlier on the year. So there's been signs. Grand Canary was back to back. Oh, Grand Canary in Austria had three top 33s there. He was just consistent there. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that people can progress at different times of their career and, and people are very quickly given up on it they don't come out like Gary Kigo did and win on both tours very, very quickly. Um, but, you know, people come along. What well, We've just seen Richard Bland have a career year at 48. So oh. people at 30 are, are not to be given up on. No, absolutely. This year, we've, we've already seen, as you say, Richard Bland. We've seen Jeff Winter um, both win. Look, they can all, I've said it a thousand times, they can all hit 63 on a given day. Yeah. Uh, it's the it's the tournament, it's the pressure, 
it's, psych, it's psychological. Um, and, you know, one day things happen, you know. Um, yeah, you know, look, Jeff Winter could have easily lost by three when he won. Uh, he, he had so many pass saves that really, fair play to him, because he must be bricking it in front and, and having to keep hitting 15 to 25 footers for par. Campio, you accept, because he's a winner. <coughs> he knows how to do it. So, why not? You, you just judge their chance against the price, don't you? Yeah. Um, you know, 150 to one. It's it's who's bothered? He's actually 28, same age as me, born in the same month. So I'm willing to accept that he's got plenty of years ahead of him. Because I you feel... like you like trigonometry as well. So yeah, there you go. Absolutely. There's more connect. There's more connections. To this <laughs> he's flying, isn't he? Naturally, on this show, we talk a lot about peak performance and having a whole package when it comes to winning golf tournaments. But you know who else focus on these two areas as well? Manscaped. Manscaped took their Lawnmower 4.0 product and put it together with all the necessary components to make the Performance Package 4.0. Including this package is the Lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker, which takes care of nose and ear hair, the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, which are essential for your balls, and two free gifts, including a premium wash bag and a pair of anti-chafing boxes. Now this set is normally $218, but is $130 for a limited time only, and with our 20% code LFW20, that will now be brought down even further to $104. In the UK, this will be £96 instead of £120, and again, the Performance Package 4.0 helps you and these elite golfers, if they so wish, stay in peak shape below the waist. That is code LFW20 for 20% off site-wide and free worldwide shipping on manscaped.com. Um, a couple of names that I want to sort of... Well, I've only got, really got one, but you may have another one, sort of a bigger odds. But Jackson Bra is making his first appearance in absolute donkey's years. He's, he's had a pretty significant injury. Um, I think rather than him just being, um, you know, struggling to come back, I think he's just taking his time with it. Or at least that's how I sort of assess it. Uh, but he hasn't played since Wentworth last year. So I'm not expecting him to pull up any trees. Uh, I certainly not expecting him to go on and win it anytime this week. But he was he was looking really good, wasn't he, before before he got that injury and, and it came at an awful time. But he was eighth here. He's been sixteenth in the Dubai Desert Classic uh, earlier last year. Considering what's transpired later on in the year, that's probably an even better result than it looked in the first place. Um, I just think that he was he was showing some nice stuff. Again, I don't think there's any sort of suggestion that he's going to win anytime soon, but. I think you can get a decent price near me. Might be able to go somewhere out and do something quick on Thursday. Um, just being excited to return to the golf course, maybe. I don't know. But I just thought his name was worth mentioning. Um, yeah, but... yeah, he's a bit he's a bit like... Um, there's so many of them. I mean, again, not like I said, but something like Julian Suri, who was off a long time with injury. Hmm. Um, just hasn't quite come back to, to, to what he was. But, yeah, absolutely. You know, they go away and you just want to see something, don't you? Uh, um the problem is I don't know where the season's going for him. You know, to, to come back now is is, is difficult, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're not going to get punished. It's not like coming back at Valderrama, is it? I mean, you could get just absolutely slaughtered and just. No, I, I thought he would have looked at that. I think he would have looked at somewhere like, oh, where's an easy golf course that so there's no sort of punishment of our and tee shots and where's going to be easy on my sort of injury. I can't remember exactly what injury it was, but he was he was uh, he was not well. Um, well, it might have been his calf or something. I can't. I can't remember exactly what it was, but he did struggle. But uh, like you say, it's going to be a, a resort golf course that takes the pressure off and, and something to look at. Um, 
But that, that was the last one for me to mention before we went into my Cobra. Anything else for you? Just have to mention Lucas Bergard, yeah. I think. Um, do you know what? If he, if I, you knew that he was coming back to form, this is so big, 66 yeah. cents for, for a player of, the, of this class. It's just, it's just ridiculous. And I wonder if those two 67s last time intermingled with a couple of nonsense. I mean, I think we, we mentioned him last time, so I was keeping my eye on him. Yeah. And I, I just wonder whether there's enough there. I mean, for, for me, I mean, obviously he's a winner here. He's won the Alfred Dunhill links. Um, he's got second at Crans. He's got open championship form. Uh, I mean, you know, Aman, he was second. You know, Sicily again, fifth. Uh, everything, every single thing says Beargard, if he's right, has to go well here. You know, he's off the tee. Uh, driving distance, if you like, whatever way you want to look at it. Driving distance, he's been top 15 for ages. Actually, last time he was 22nd, according to, uh, obviously, the tour tips. And, and I'm not sure. There, there's Some of these tournaments recently have had a few dodgy Bad figures, haven't they? Had, yeah. you know. So you've got to be slightly careful. Um, but again, his formula, apart from the win, OK, I mean, he's got injured, but he's still stuck in a 27th, a top 30 um, last time out. Um, actually, that is a very, very similar effort to last time. Viergon 2020 at Portugal, 67, 71, 68, 72. Last time at 67, 63, 67. It's very, very similar. Hmm. Um, if he can just take those best bits of all that, 66 to 1 is going to be huge. Um, he's far, 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 far better than, than this price. Um, and he's really, really sort of calling me. Um, yeah. Uh, there's something about him. I think this is his this is his time. It's going to come up. Obviously, the other Lucas one over the weekend over there. And and uh, there's something about Beargard. And I just uh, I might have to back him just because. Well, look, I you know I obviously mentioned him back earlier at the the hero when he was tied tenth because of what he'd done at the at the hander when he finished thirty seconds to Baker, you know, miscut streak. And you know I think he's the type of player like I said there. I wasn't you know massively sure that he was back because I had to temper expectations because I didn't have the proper statistics similar to this week but he went and finished tied 10th that week um, the, the concern was that he sort of went 67-62 and then limped over at the weekend uh, and a lot of it was, was short game but since then 35th the following week, 35th at the BMW PGA 12th at the Open D'Espana and like you say 45th last time out there the, the only reason I wouldn't bet him is because I think that this is the worst price you're going to get for the remainder of the year and the start of next year because of the fact that it's a tournament he's already won. Um, and I, I do think that there's still a little bit missing for him to put four rounds together. But again, I think he's another sort of prime candidate for that sort of first round leader market or top 20 or whatever. Just to, you know, just to play, not having to rely on him putting all four rounds together is what I'm trying to say. Yes, fair enough. I mean, the hero was never outside the top 10 any round. Uh, Madrid, he was never outside the top 12. Uh, yeah, I, <coughs> as you say, yeah, this is a nice, actually a nice set of tournaments for him. Again, look, you run the risk. You either take the 66 now, if you like him, uh, and run the risk, you've bombed out. And, and But, you you know, if you bomb out now, you're going to get a better price going forward, aren't you? Yeah. Um, if he does well, you're going to start taking 40 and 45. It, it, he's, he's just too good and, and I wonder if that, that was just a sign last time those couple of 67s it, they weren't stunning but you know four of them wouldn't have gone to miss would they so um, yeah I, 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 I might have to do it because 
I'm convinced he'll be back to form at some point, and then we've lost all the prices. Yep, absolutely. No, I like that completely. Um, over to, I'm not going to call it what it's called, it's just back to Mike Over, because um, that's a bit of a mouthful. Justin Thomas is the 14-1 to favourite from Victor Hovland, who is a defending champion at 18s. Abraham Answer is 20s, which is slightly annoying. Uh, Tony Fina is 25s. Billy Horschel, 30s. Tyrrell Hatton, 30s. And then you've got Brooks and a whole host of others at 33 to 1. Um, Justin Thomas is, is the obvious favourite. It's not a surprise to me. Um, I thought maybe slightly closer with him and Victor. But, you know, he's, he's had two starts here, Justin Thomas, and, and played well in both of them. You know, he's not he's not one, but he, he's finished 12th and 23rd. So not particularly surprised there. Victor obviously won after missing his first two cuts at this. And then Abraham answers the next one up, who, who I actually really like this week. Um, he was sort of 25s early. I think there was some 28s in the exchange as well. That's quickly come in. But I think I was pretty harsh on Abraham answer for a long time. I liked running with the gag that Carlos Ortiz was better um, until he wasn't. <laughs> Um, when you look at it, you know he broke through at WG, WGC St Jude, which is not uh, insignificant considering the, the correlation that, works, yeah. that course plays here. Um, and you look at his four runner-up victories. You know the first came in Northern Trust, and he finished runner-up to Patrick Reed. Reed started the final round, one ahead, and stayed there. So not too much of a, you know, not too bad there. When he was second at the American Express, he was only sixth going in Sunday and six shots behind. So to finish just two shots behind is a positive effort. The heritage was the one that kind of stuck out for me when I was kind of saying that he wasn't quite right in contention and he co-led going into the final round. But again, he shot 64, 65, 65 in his final three rounds and Simpson had to shoot a 64 in the final day to win. So, you know, really and truly, maybe I was I was very harsh on him. When you look at the 54 holes, he was second to Rory at the Wells Fargo. He was five strokes back then and took a huge step forward again to come up one shot sorry. So I know there was times in there where... You know, maybe there was a shot or two that I didn't like and things like that. But since he's won, he's finished 9th, 11th, 14th. The latter coming at the CJ Cup. He was third going into the final round. Um, shot a 71 and, and drops like a sack. But 65 and 63 in that week was just superb warm-up for this. Um, after he started slow in 2020 here, he shot 67, 65, 66 to finish 12th. He's had two top nines before that in the 21st. So I just think now that he's a winner, he can go into his home event with a little bit less pressure. I think there's always a lot of pressure trying to win your home event and your first event at the same time. Um, but he's always played very, very well here considering the pressure he must have had on him. And I just think now he'll be desperate to, to go in there and, and double his PGA Tour tally and, and do it in front of his fans at the return this week. You've done it, mate. Yeah, you've covered it. I, I think the only problem is the 25s has gone, isn't it? Yeah, he's gone. Um, it's 20s now. Yeah. Throughout last year, he was fifth in Bodie Avoidance, which ties in absolutely fantastically with, I mean, if we don't go too far back, uh, Matt Kuchar and, and, and Brendan Todd, who were both very high up in Bodie Avoidance. Uh, he makes plenty of birds. He's got an, an unbelievable eye game, hasn't he? Um, he does sort of resemble, he hasn't got the length, but the, the same Victor Hovland type yeah. shooting at pins. Um 15th in par four as he was last year, third in driving accuracy, like you say, one St. Jude, second at Heritage. Um, it's just whether you think the price is is gone. Um, I remember you laughing when I was putting him up at sort of 33 for, yeah. for events last year. 
Um, and that's to be honest. Uh, but anyway, that is fairly understandable. Like we discussed with other players, you know, what do you want? He's, he's a different player now. He's a winner. He was unbelievable at Wells Fargo when he got beat by Rory. He was just superb. Um, again, he was another one that it's just one of those, isn't it? The player in front's just got that too much for you. Yeah, I, I wouldn't back him at 20, but it's perfectly understandable why he is 20. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, full respect to him. Yeah, top mix to him for sure. I think, <laughs> I think, I think the thing is the thing that reason, and this is not for me to say that I was correct on the take from last time because I've just gone through saying I was too harsh on him. But you just said there that I was laughing at you betting him at 33s. He opened this up at 25s when he's won the WGC and played really well in the three events since winning. Um, and his price wasn't that much different. So I always just wondered how much shorter he could have gone than, than what he was before he had won. Um, he's won a WGC since then and still coming out at 25 to 1 in his home event. So, okay, that's gone now. He's 20s. So, the, you know, they're, they're running slightly away from that. Um, 20s is is right on the margin. I think that if you really like Abraham Answer, as I did this week, then you probably should still back the 20s. Um, certainly when I did all of that spill that I just read out to you and, and everything in my Oz Checker article, he was 25s. Um, so that is important to note. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Billy Horshaw, I thought, was really interested at 30-1. Mm. to 1. Um, You know, you mentioned him to me earlier, um, talking about him in sort of match bets and things like that. A um, bit more of a global player now. Uh, played the European Tour the last couple of seasons. Obviously won at Wentworth recently. Was 36 to follow it at Dunhill Links. Then he went to watch West Ham play, which he loves. So he's immersing himself in the kind of European Tour culture. Uh, he doesn't know where the southeast of England is because they asked him what was his favourite course in the southeast, expecting him to say Wentworth, and he said I've only played one that was at Royal St George, um, so his geography is is shite, but very good golfer, and that's all that matters. Uh, he's played here four times, missed his cut on his debut, and then finished 21st, eighth, and fifth since. Um, so he's, he's you know he's, he's improving every year, as you can tell from those figures, and he's just he's just a very good golfer, isn't he? He's always been one of those ones that. You never quite know what you're going to get with him, and I think that's I think that's a good thing. I think it's good to have some volatility in your game. I think we you know we see the likes of Grio and Tringali and, and and others that you know keep putting top fives, top eights, top tens together, and they don't win. Whereas Billy Horschel will win and then miss a couple of cuts, twentieth, then and then win again. You know, it's is that better than than you know just meandering along and maybe your bank account manager doesn't say so, but you know, your legacy does. You know, two starts ago, he's first in straight game approach. He was 28th last time out. Over the last eight weeks on tour tips, he's first in the field in straight game approach, 6.271. Um, I sort of put him up that he was maybe one of the better players in the favourites. Just might not be enough juice in the price. But he could be going looking at a three-win season and or three-win calendar year. And uh, I didn't think that was a bad price for him. I'm not sure about the price, but I think he's a massive runner. Last week, uh, doing the research for Bermuda, there were three players that, that, I mean, they didn't play. There were three players that stood, well, you know, as you do it, then you yeah. and, then, and then do what you've got to do. Um, there were three players that stood out, uh, Answer, Harris English, and Billy Horschel, um, who just fitted with everything. They fitted with course correlation. They fitted with the way they play. Um, obviously, English doesn't play this week. We've discussed Answer, and the other one is Horschel. It's just, I think you're absolutely right. It's just whether you think um, 30 or 1, top 8 is good enough. Um, you know, it was that what price was he for Wentworth? 
Um, I can't remember now. Roundabout. Probably about the same. 20, 20, 20, 25, 20, maybe. 20. Um, yeah, he, he fits. He's absolutely perfect for this. Um, can't argue either way. I mean, I know it's you better running on 22. Um, yeah, look, I'm not going to argue if you want to, if you want to back him, back him. I, I think I pointed out to you he's uh, levels with um, Till Hatton in a match bet. Mm. Um, I do like him to beat Till Hatton. Um, uh, yeah, 30 if you want to make him the mainstay of doubles and trebles and top 10 doubles or something like that. Just can't argue, really. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, mate. Yeah, without without being with you, I'm with you. No, no. I mean, to, I'm, I don't think he's actually a better 30 to 1. Like Anson maybe isn't a 20s when he was 25. But I just think out of the, out of the top lot, there's still decent value in, in relation to what's coming next, I think. Um, just to yep. quickly run through my correlations, Sony Open is very, very obvious. Four players have won both events. Matt Kuchar, Patton Kaziah, Mark Wilson, Johnson Wagner. Um, Harris English has got a win here in three top nines at the Sony. Brian Gay won here, three top tens at the Sony. Alan B's finished second in both. Brian Stewart twice, second here, and four top eights at the Sony. So that's the favourite for me. Uh, the Corrales... Uh, Graham McDowell won here in 2015, won the Corrales in 2019. Bryce Garnett has won the Corrales, got three top sevens here. Interestingly, Joel Damon won the Corrales and has, you know, got some really good finishes here, sixth and two top 23s, um, and actually ranks inside the top 10 for course form. Puerto Rico Open, Vic Hovland's won both. Um, Danny Lee's finished second at both. Johnson Wagner's won this, finished second at Puerto Rico. CIMB before the Pass Palom was replaced in 2018. Pat Perez won the 2017 CIMB Classic after winning this. Uh, Perez beat Gary Woodland and he's had two uh, runner-up finishes at the CIMB Classic as well. Justin Thomas has won the CIMB Classic twice and played well here. Bermuda, you just mentioned. Brian Gay and Brendan Todd have won both. Aaron Wise has finished second and tenth here, third at the Bermuda. Ryan Armour, fourth here, twice. He was tied eighth in Bermuda as well. RBC Heritage, Matt Kuchar has a win and two seconds at Harbour Town and won here three years ago. Brian Gay's won both events. McDowell's won both events. Abraham Anson's got three top 12 here and was runner-up at the RBC Heritage. I'm not going to go into all the others because I'll be here forever, but they were the strongest ones for me. Uh, we mentioned St. Jude, and there's a really weird correlation to the Ellie Mae Stonebreak Classic uh, on the Corn Ferry Tour, but I'm going to let you read that one, Oz Shekhar, because I'm not going to waste my time with that anymore. Um, basically, Aaron Wise is someone I've been circling for this for the whole year. Um, he's the price that I didn't want him to be. He was 40 to 1 earlier, he's now 33s. If I'm saying Horschel's a bit short of 30s and Abraham Answers short of 20s, and what can I say about Aaron Wise? But I really, really do like his chances, and I'm trying to get away from this being put off by prices because eventually it just it costs me and he's hitting the ball really really well um you know he, he as i've just said there he's got two top tens here he was very unlucky not to uh, to get in a playoff with victor hovland last year final round 63 was bogey free as well he's just in really good form isn't he he's just he's just playing really really well back to the sort of form we expect from him when he was a uh, rookie of the year in 2018 so for me, there's just everything to like. 26th, 8th and 5th, his last three starts. 2nd and 10th here on the course. 33-1. Uh, to one. The, the, the slight downside is that Patrick Reed's there at a similar price. Yeah, again, you, uh, again you, you've, you've covered it perfectly well. We, we were both, I think, on Aaron Wise. I think, did you back him last year outright? And I think yeah. I was on him at 50, I think, going into the final round last yeah. year. Um, 
do you know the only bit he was unlucky was with Victor Hovland's drive on 18. Could have gone into the rough. Got away with it, didn't he? And just, just hopped right past the bunker. I, I, it's about the only sea shot I ever remember. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. It was just... It, yeah, and he got away with it. But to be fair, you know, he, he exploited it very, very well. Um, can't argue. It, it's the price. It's yeah. purely the price. It's understandable the way he's playing. Um, he looks a much more consistent player. He looks... Uh, he hasn't had the win the second that he got back in 2018, but I think he's at least an equal player to who he was back then. Um, it's just it's a decent field, isn't it? But it's I, a really I, good I field do for this event. Was, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you go back, it you know when it was a, a nothing event, um, and that's the problem with trying to look back too far on on the course form and stuff like that. Is it, the other thing is though, I just wonder how many of these, and, and I say it all the time, and I don't mean they're not up for it because why are they there. Hmm. But it's a golf tournament. The sponsors want them there. Yeah. Um, how many actually are going there? I mean, look, you know, could you, could you, Kepka on ability, as we all know, shouldn't be 33 to 1 in this field. And when he is, he normally wins. He's injured. Yeah, well. <laughs> but the thing, uh, the thing I was going to say about that is that Phoenix, when he came out and won and everyone thought they were really stupid for the price, he had won at Phoenix before. So although he was out of four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. whereas this time he's coming to a course where he's never done anything. So yeah, it's so I agree. Yeah, so in terms of sorry, mate. So in terms of that, and I don't think it's a course for Scotty Scheffler personally. No, uh, his driving isn't going to be particularly useful here. Um, so in that context, Wise then becomes a, a shorter price. <coughs> Patrick Reed was unbelievably impressive on Sunday. Um, I mean, he just had that ball under control. It makes perfect sense. He did it at the Northern Trust when he was too good again for Victor Hovland. Um, he's appearing everywhere, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, he was too good for him. He just knew more than Victor Holding did um, about how to play a difficult course. And you just wonder, we say this about John Catlin over at Europe, you just wonder whether it's going to be hard enough. I mean, I, I actually had um, GMAC down here as a, as a potential play. Mm-hmm. And I, I still may be a top 20 or something like that. I think that's what um, he is, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, they both, you know, we've said it before, there's Catlins, there's, there's certain other players that, that are there and, and they will just grind it out and, and Reed Reed was more than grind it out on Sunday he was just incredible I mean to hit I think to hit you know four rounds under 69 um, mm. round Bermuda um, is just fantastic play um, anyway cut long story short yeah I, I'm not sure it's going to be hard enough for him um, but again it, does, you know does it matter they can, if you think it's going to get worse over the weekend then you can be on in running GMAC was at the same. I know we're going down the list quite a lot, but I have to mention him because I think, although he's not Patrick Reed, um, he was once. Um, and he's exactly the same. I mean, over, over sort of uh, last weekend, his driving average at halfway, he was driving, driving accuracy. He was 10th and he ended up second. Uh, birdies, he was 12th at halfway. Par four, he was joint first and he ended uh, joint first as well. Off decent greens in regulation. And, and, same players, same players because neither of them want a 25-under winning score. Um, so conditions are going to count. And if you know, I will look at them um, properly at some point. I don't really trust them four days before. Um, and if if it does look like it's going to get a bit nasty, then uh, that I think we'll have to play them in some way. Yeah, no, I agree a lot with that assessment. And are you going to be making your annual bet? You know, skipping forward because there's there's loads of names here between. 33 to 1 and 80 to 1, where we're going to jump to, or I'm going to jump to now. Um, but we just can't mention them all. We, we're trying to 
cut out that from the podcast and, and not go on about people we're not going to bet. Are you making your annual My Cobra bet on Emiliano Grillo? Uh, I, I think he's huge. I think for place value, he's absolutely massive. I, there's no way I'd have put him at 80 at once. Um, I understand the negatives about Grillo. We know that, and I understand he's not quite in the same form. Um, but he, he, isn't, he isn't playing badly. You know, he's still shooting positive numbers where it counts. As you say, he's, he's got um, three top 10s and a, a top 15 in five starts here. Um, his driving accuracy is always fantastic. It'll always give him a chance. We know his problem. The problem is that he can't putt. Laurie Cantor can't putt in his 20s. Emilio Grinner can't putt in his uh, 80s. Um, it, it, there's nothing to tell you about Grillo that you don't know already. Um, other than what price you make him. I wouldn't have gone bigger than 50s. They want to give you 80s. So there's people in front of him that obviously have um, more improvement in them. You know, the likes of Seamus Power, who's actually playing quite well. Yeah. Um, the likes of Mito Pereira, who's very, very popular this week. There's, he's got this um, fan club now that seems that they'll back him for, you know, I don't know, you know, the World Eventing Championship or whatever. Well, they, it's going to be off a cliff, it. isn't it? And I think, I think you've got yeah. to look at the course fit. I don't think it's the best fit, but... No, no, I don't. But but I understand. I mean, he strokes gained, you know, in most of the um, most of the uh, of the season uh, is is just phenomenal. You know, he's he's dry. He, you know, he is accurate. Um, Tita Green. I mean, his, his last three. You know, basically having joined it as a as a pro, really. Oh, his last whatever. I mean, last eight or so. You know, Tita Green twentieth, fourth, nineteenth, second, first, fourth, sixteenth. It, it suits here. He obviously loves it in Mexico. Um, Bermuda last week wasn't brilliant, but the mid-two rounds, we got blown away Monday, uh, Thursday, the mid-two rounds, 68 and 65. I can see why you'd be on him. Um, And I'd much rather be on him than somebody like Russell Henley or Matt Wolf. Uh, Matt Wolf, I can't see how this suits Matt Wolf at all. Um, Will Zalatoris, who's completely out of form. yeah, I can understand it. There's a lot. There's lots of, of improvement there. But Grio is just that sort of person that he'll get sixth, won't he? And you'll get a return at eighty to one. So, what the hell? My only slight concern with Grio is how consistent he's been here. He's never finished in the places. Like he's got his three top tens or whatever, or three top fifteens. Well, yeah. But it's a shot in it. At the same it's... price, I just thought I'd rather back Russell Knox. And I think anyone that backed Russell Knox last week should be doing it again this week. Oh, yeah. of course, absolutely. If you backed somebody last week, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Second, third and ninth here um, in the past. And he's had eight starts here, never missed a cut, never worse than 37th. And that tied 12th finish at the end last week, along with Brian Gay, both of them in the crap wave on the Thursday. You know, both both of those could have won it. Uh, both of those could have won the tournament. Knox maybe played better in, in the opening round, or as Gay sort of pieced it together over the three days. But I think... No, I'm not going to go by what Will Wilcox said just because it's Will Wilcox, but he said he was striking it absolutely purely. He's going to say that he was caddying for him for the week. But I just thought 80s one about someone that's clearly coming back to form um, and, and has been second, third and ninth on his golf course, somewhere that he has to look at four or five golf courses a year and go, that's where I can win. Um, I like Russell Knox. Do you know what? You're just taking the mickey out of me now. <laughs> I mean, I get your argument, but I just remember years not months of absolutely getting ripped apart by putting russell knox up um he didn't win so during that time did he 
Well, you didn't win during your time, are you? Well, we don't know, but that's that's what we're going to find out. If, if yeah, you, fine, you can yeah, rib me, fine. can't you? I just, I just, yeah. I just think that there's times, and you know, I needed to see it from him, and and you were speculative on him and taking him at much bigger prices, and and fair yeah, play. Course, absolutely. And whereas now, I'm just thinking that he's shown a little bit, and and we shall see. It's the best course for him. I think this is probably his best chance of winning uh, this season, all the way through 2022 as well. No matter what form he's in, so uh, I'll take him at 80s. Adam Long, 100 to 1, 8 places. Um, second or third in two starts here. Obviously, the field is improved. And I think there's going to be a lot of course form that looks a lot worse this time around because of the depth of the field. Um, but, you know, he's only got to finish in the top eight. Held off the challenge of Phil Mickelson to win his first event. John Rahm was seventh that week as well. Obviously, he was right in contention here last year. He tee shot on 17 discovered his chances of winning but I just think anyone that's finished in top two top three in his two first starts is it's got to be a runner um played well at the zozo last time out didn't he um so i don't see any real negatives on adam long no that's fine yeah absolutely comes up on the list of, of, of potentials yes it's neither here nor there so yeah absolutely three figures who cares and then I've just got three very quick fire ones. I, I don't know if I'm going to play, but just wants to mention Nate Lashley at 200 to one. Um, plays well in in kind of the correlative events. Um, he had a fifth at Pebble Beach, eighth at Puerto Rico. He's been 16th, 17th, 35th his last three. And I just I just thought that was kind of enough for me to to look into him. Someone that that's played well here in the past as well. Um, yeah, I thought that was worth a look. JJ Spawn, 7th last week, got that into a start here. Uh, returns to a golf course he's played well in the past. Five starts, five made cuts. 28th, 14th and 3rd amongst those. Last two have not been great, but he's much better form this time around. Got a 3rd here, a 2nd at RSM, 6th at the Heritage and 7th at Bermuda. So that all points to some good stuff. And I think Brian gave for the same stuff that I backed him for last week. Like he, As long as he's playing the courses well that he does play well, um, you've got nothing to worry about. And he was 300 to 1 earlier when I looked at him. I don't know quite what he is now because I haven't really looked at it. Um, but I thought him and maybe even Grayson Sig was worth looking at. But I know there's someone down here that you're very keen on at 200 to 1. Yeah, firstly, yeah, sorry, but very firstly, uh, there is a player that played again last week, which was Danny Lee, yeah. who, who actually really fitted my early research for this before he did what he did last week, which was really annoying. But then he wasn't in it, so he had to play well to get in it. So, you know, it's a chicken and the egg situation. I understand he's, you know, had like 10,000 points knocked off him. Um, but he led the birdies last week. He was eighth in par three, sixth in par four, sixth in par five. Led the birdie conversion, 21st in accuracy, first in pattern average. Um, and he comes here, you know, as you've said, you know, there is a link between Bermuda and Mike Cobra, obviously. Um, he comes in cracking form. I mean, could he, should he have won? Well, you know, apart from just blowing up I think it was the 12th wasn't it was it the 12th last night something like that it was late wasn't it yeah um, I'm not sure what he would have done if he was clear in front but I, I thought it was a bang return to form for somebody like him and, and I actually will take the chance um, I think he's 125 for Danny Lee 125 yeah okay I will take the chance 125 but he isn't 201 of Davis Riley <laughs> who, who I am going to back for yeah, you know, top everything top breakfast, best, you know, whatever best shoelaces um, 
he, he, obviously he came on the tour it was a bit weird he should have been number one in the call ferry shouldn't he a couple of years ago yeah. Covid came in it all went a bit wrong crap overseas and etc 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 he can read about that somewhere else if you want um, <coughs> sort of knocked him off his stride a little bit I think um, but there were a lot of people um, on Betfair uh, that were betting him yeah a thousand one on Betfair earlier in the year when he first he first came on the tour um, Will Zalatoris said about him it's a matter of time before he's going to be a top 10 player in the world it's not if it's a when um, obviously you know very very well thought of as a, as a young amateur uh, we know what he did on the KFT um, 24 so he's got plenty of plenty of form there for me what was interesting was not only was he excellent last week his fourth round was his worst uh, uh, driving accuracy his greens and regular was sort of very consistent he was uh, third at uh, overall on birdies, but he actually led that stat at halfway. Um, he was second in the par fours, tenth in the par fives. Um, for me, it's where he plays. Uh, that performance last week at Bermuda was excellent. It follows up an eighth in Bahamas on the KFT, but his two wins, or his two main wins, uh, he won on Panama, which is obviously coastal, yeah. uh, not far from here. And potentially significant, he won Santonio San at the Oaks, which is a Greg Norman design. The irony of Greg Norman falling out with the PGA is not lost on anybody, <laughs> hopefully. Um, that was a Greg Norman design, as is this. It had all types of Bermuda all the way through it, obviously, being coastal. They need that for the, for the hard wearing. Um, he showed last week at Bermuda he can compete. Uh, I'm, I'm all over Davis Riley at 201, top 10, top 20, top 30 top breakfast top shoelaces you know top everything top top first name after the best snooker player of all time top banana uh, you know yeah absolutely I, I i don't care that you know he was x last week and now he's you know the fifth of the price i'm not really bothered because he showed that he's you know got the hang of this now in bad conditions and he carries on in, a, in an area that he obviously loves and can obviously play very very well in so uh, yeah absolutely he's going to be is it a prop bet is what they call it over there and yeah. a side bet so I'm looking for the prop bet or side bet for him over um, over there for the uh, the sort of side bet article love him absolutely love him this week just to clarify my point on Nate Lashley having a, a decent result here he finished 38th um, before anyone points out that I said in a really quick hurry that he's played well here when maybe his results he hasn't he was fifth and eighth after the first two rounds. Um, so that's just my final bit on Nate Lashley. But take a lot of that on board, what you said about Davis Riley. Like you said, Will Zalatoris thinks very highly of him. Um, roommates, Zalatoris, when I spoke to him, attributed a lot of his competitive nature with Davis Riley to his success. Um, the fact that you know those two going at it on practice rounds is more competitive than some events they played. Um, if they can beat each other in practice rounds, they could win a tournament. And that's wrong true for both of them. So... I like a lot of that. Like you say, Bermuda's a great line of thinking, as is the Bahamas. Um, you know, I think when you look at you know the other things as well. I mean, I don't know the courses that well, but you know, just looking at Country Club de Bogota, that must be a, a, a I would have thought a coastal track. The Bahamas, you get ridiculous weather over there. Um, Byron Nelson, even in 2019 when he was 29th, get a bit of wind up there in Texas as well. Obviously, his home state. So yeah, I think there's a, a lot to like about Davis Riley. Um, I'm just going to have to summarise our picks now. Um, so over in Portugal, I'm going to stick with Coetzee and Sullivan. 
Uh, I think Carazier is about 40 to 1, 35 to 1 now. Sullivan, 45s and 50s. Renato Paratore at 66 to 1. And Pep Anglez at 150 to 1. Um, jury still out on Adre Arnaus as it stands. Um, but you have slightly put me off of him. Uh, your picks for the Portugal Masters? Oh, I've got hundreds of them. And there would have been more, <laughs> but half of them don't play. Uh, Jorge Campillo, around 45, I think he is. Sebastian Soderberg, 50, 55. Uh, Lucas Breagard, I have to. I just have to. At 66. Uh, Julian Guerrier is around 70. Um, and Nikolai Hogard, sorry, is around 66. Fits in there. Yeah. So, all in the middle. Oh, sorry, Pep Angles, a tiny bit, 150 as well. Yeah. So hundreds of them. Like that. Excellent. Over at the Maya Cobra, I'm going to just stick with Abraham Anso. I loved him at 25 to 1. I still bet him at 20 to 1. Um, I think he's got a very, very good chance of winning his home country. Aaron Wise at 33 to 1. Again, like, I don't love the price. I'm going to be completely honest. I'm not sitting here saying he's great value. What I'm sitting here saying is I think he's got an excellent chance of winning. I've been circling him all year about it. Bet him last year and I want him to go and win it and I'd be gutted if I wasn't on. Russell Knox at 80 to 1. I think anyone that backed him last week should back him again. And then Adam Long, I love at 100 to 1. I like him as a player anyway. And I think there's a whole host of those guys. Uh, Nate Lashley, 200 to 1. Brian Gay, 300 to 1. JJ Spawn, I think, was 200 to 1 as well. All of those, I think, are worth um, looking at in different markets. Um, and I think they're all worth top 20 plays. Over to you for the Maya Cobra, Jason. Uh, full respect to the top of the field. I mean, you know, the, the likes of Victor Hovland, you know, Abram Hanser. Yeah, I... I personally put Billy Ho above them for some reason. I don't like watching him play um, but it's tough. Uh, he fits everything I want so 30 is, is reluctantly going to be there, reluctantly miss out on Ansel Wise. Um, and then I'm going um, Emilio Aguino's on the back burner just because of current form but I will try Danny Lee at 125 and Davis Riley for everything at 200. Um, we're going to have a go this week. Yep, absolutely love that. Jason, welcome back to the podcast. I have a little break. Good luck in your new venture on Golf WRX. I don't know if there's a funkier way of me saying that, but that is the way that I've always taken it. Um, but hopefully you set in really well there and uh, people go and read his stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, just click on it. Makes me look good. <laughs> um, and if you want to slag me off, it's uh, TomJacobs93 on Twitter. Yeah, I accept all the abuse. So I'll put the retweets on there and I'll give you your one minute of fame that you need to... Uh, to get from Twitter. But Jake, great to talk to you again. I'm going to let you go so that you can go and uh, lubricate that throat because that sounds terrible, that little cough you've got going on there. Um, and uh, I'll see you next week for more fun. Mm-hmm.